Hello, this is Morris, and I say keep on listening to Joy 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 James, host of Sports World on the BBC World Service. For the best of previews to the sporting weekend, listen to George Addo Jr. on The Locker Room on Joy 99.7 FM. Live on radio, live online, this is The Locker Room on Joy 99.7 FM with George Addo Jr. Spain's main football feature, the Mad of Davies, and the game with huge prospects of turning the La Liga title race on its head is the heartbeat of the approaching sporting weekend. Of the pitch, looks to drive on and hits one left foot in. Oh, that's brilliant! It's typical Lionel Messi, and the captain's got Barcelona going again here. And Busquets has a chance to play one to the box for Messi. Now, was there a foul there on Griezmann? It's a penalty! Griezmann brought down just inside the area, and now you start to wonder, don't you? Messi has already scored one sensational goal. Can he convert from the spot? Oh, he can't! Saved by Navas! It came off the goalkeeper! Now, Vinicius Jr. looks to break through and gets the opening goal. Well, what a run that was from left to centre, in behind the Liverpool defence, got into a central position and drilled it beyond Alisson. And it's going to be a second, and it's a big error at the back from Liverpool that's punished to the fullest of effect. And inside the final ten minutes of this first half, Real Madrid have doubled their lead, a tap-in for Asensio. Real Madrid 2, Liverpool 0. This ball for Salah! Modric with the pass, Vinicius with the shot! Barcelona-Real Madrid will divide Spain and equally the world into two parts, the blue and half end or the white end. In a closely fought El Clasico with so much on it, Real Madrid are two points behind Barcelona, who themselves are a point away from leaders Atletico Madrid. We preview the fireworks expected tomorrow. We will equally monitor the Serie A title race, which is getting keener by the day. Check out the games to come as well in the Bundesliga and the French Liga. Whilst leagues in Europe's top five are concerned about the title races in England, it's more about who finishes in the top four. Aside champions elect Manchester City and second placed Manchester United. And this game could make the murky navigation clearer. Breaking on his forward on this near side, the left. It's a good cross oh. in towards the penalty area. And it's a super header from Sissoko. And it puts Tottenham Hotspur ahead. 
Now might be something in here. Oh, it's brilliantly finished. Ahmad in behind the Milan defence to backhead the ball in for his first Manchester United goal. Milan caught out. It came from nowhere. The ball played through to Martial. Here is Rashford. Oh, what a clinical goal that is. And Manchester United have made history. They are the first in top flight history to score at least three goals in six consecutive away matches. The Moreno Derby will see Manchester United take on Spurs in what's easily the weekend's headliner in England. And we have a preview of games involving Chelsea, Manchester City, Arsenal and West Ham United. Also coming up... Oh, Nene with a wonderful pass. has got it to Gacha. Gacha with the ball for it. Oh, beautiful pass. They have got the goal! Fahani with the second goal for Itetisitev. It feels all well. Deja vu. Beautiful tap in. And it's two goals to one. Lifeline for Kamasi Asante got to get back into this game. Nabi Keita to save Kamasi Asante got to go from falling again to the North African Giants. Hands on waist. Nabi Keita hands up, takes a few paces. Nabi Keita hits the ball and is saved. Continental action and the final round of group stage games at the CAF Champions League take place this weekend. There's a big story of last year's runners-up, Zamalek, likely to fall off this early in the competition. We have a full preview ahead. If you'd like to send us a message, we'll love to read them via social media accounts on Facebook, joy slash 99.7, on WhatsApp, 0551111997, or you can tweet it as a joy sports GH. We'll be around Ghana Premier League grounds to preview match day 19 fixtures in France to properly assess the impact of pushing the French Open forward and bring you the latest from the ongoing Masters in Golf. Time to talk about what the world is talking about in the world of sports. Hello from me, George Adi Jr., and welcome. And as always, good to have you on side live on Joy 99.7 FM. We've got some 52 minutes to preview what is to come in this sporting weekend. So much to come. And I must tell you that you want to send us your messages on our WhatsApp line 0551-11997. And of course, we'll see if we can get an opportunity for you to send in and call us and tell us what you think about their classical Real Madrid up against Barcelona like never before. Barcelona with 65 points, one behind Atletico Madrid, 66, and Real Madrid with 63 points. The old classical couldn't mean anything bigger than this. And how about the Spurs versus Manchester United? It's always great to have all of you on side and we'll see how it all goes. But of course, this evening we'll start from boxing. And that's because the WBC are adding, you know, an 18th weight class to the existing 17 divisions in professional boxing. The new level will sit just beneath the biggest weight class, heavyweight, and above the cruiserweight as the new second heaviest weight class to recognize you know, its own world champion. So we need to ask all the key questions. Why is the WBC adding another weight class and championship to professional boxing? How would it work? What do the fans make of it? What do the experts make of it? And more importantly, uh, are there any immediate beneficiaries? in Ghana. Joining me to do the analysis here on our show, a man who is always on the boxing beat, my colleague Nathaniel Atta. Nat, how are you doing this evening? Great to see you, George. It's yeah. good to be here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's good. You're in, you're in all white. You've been all white all day. Yeah. Um, we're celebrating the life of uh, Professor Kote okay. Papafu. Okay. Professor Jacob Kote Papafu. Okay. 
of the finest uh, surgeons and uh, teachers in the medical field. Right. He passed on and he was buried today. Good. And I uh, was celebrating his life. But, um, you know, the mood is still very strong and mm. very buoyant, mm. as usual. So now, let's start with it. Now, I, I need to ask you this. Was there a need for another weight division, weight class? Was there a need? Is this professional or ceremonial in nature? How do we take it? Well, um, in the eventual scheme of things, yes. Yes, because after the 200-pound limit, which is, um, you know, the cap for, you know, the heavyweight division, or which is the foundation for the heavyweight division, yeah. um, you know, you need to weigh 200 pounds or more, mm. okay? So there's a possibility that you as a heavyweight could weigh 201 pounds and go into a bout with somebody who weighs 280 pounds. Okay. And the disparity is so large that it can have an effect on the way the fight goes. We all know that, um, you know, when it comes to contact sports, uh, variations in weight always matter. Mm. And we have loads and loads of those stories to tell. Let's quickly throw back to when Joshua Clote fought against uh, Zabdiel Judah for mm. the IBF welterweight title fight. Mm. Um, he had lost a lot of weight and it was because he wanted to be trimming and, uh, you know, follow, you know, the weight um, classification for the bout. And it affected him a great deal. And, you know, if you're going up against a Joshua Clote, who was considered at the time as one of the biggest welterweights with one of the biggest, uh, uh, you know, right jabs in the sport, then you have to be extra careful. So it is more of the weight disparity within the sport. And I feel that, yes, it became necessary that we had to place or fit one in there so that at least between 200 and 224 pounds, we could have another, di- 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 you know, division. Yes. So so for me, mm. I think it's more of having a lot more fairness in the sport. Something Look, that they wanted to do before. Uh, yeah, and, I mean, and, and the you circumstance talk, has... Yeah, and, and this, this is, this is uh, after a very, uh, you know, thorough thought process. Mm. Uh, a lot of the stakeholders have been engaged in this. And this is the reason why it is important that as a nation and as a boxing nation, we also take part in all of these conventions that are put together mm. by the world sanctioning bodies because all of these are discussed over a period of time. So it's been a thorough job mm. that WBC sat back, looked at it, and of course, um, they decided to name it after Bridger Walker, the six-year-old boy who performed yeah. a very heroic act of and saving so his not, sister. And so on that, I was just yeah. thinking about the name Bridger. Yeah. Since you are bridging stuff, you know, yeah. it, it becomes ambiguous. Exactly. And and it just, I mean, this is just uh, spot on. I mean, yeah. you could call it divine coincidence yeah, that it know, happened that, uh, you know, the boy... Bridger. The boy was there. His name is Bridger. Bridger. And we're trying to bridge a to certain bridge. gap as ah. well. Well, that's good. Uh, what have the experts been saying about it? I know you, you've, been, you've been... All right. So um, you, you have a few people who would disagree, especially because uh, already we've got 17 weight classes to deal with. I mean, why do you want to come and bother us with another one? Yeah. But check this out. I mean, um, there are loads and loads of very good boxers who, um, by one occurrence or the other, aren't able to become world champions. And I think that this is a good avenue for them. I am projecting that within the next, you know, four to five years, it will gain ground. It could gain ground in a shorter period of time because of the kinds of rivalries that will be created therein. Look, um, already, when you look at the WBC, you know that there is a 
you know, uh, Deontay Wilder, mm-hmm. who is heavily, you know, uh, craving to return and take his place, the place which he always believes uh, is his in the sport, which is becoming WBC champion again. I mean, doing it all over again will be more difficult because of the unification bout that is coming up later this year. Yeah. But you look at the likes of Dillian White, who seem to be, uh, you know, hovering around the fringes, mm. uh, fighting with all of the big names, losing to them. Um, it's not like they, they are not good. Look at the last, uh, you know, fight that uh, Dillian White put up. I mm. mean, uh, it, it was an amazing thing. Uh, he he put up a class act, and after that, he put up a very great, uh, you know, uh, act of sportsmanship yeah. as well. Yeah. Uh, reaching to his opponent, you know, and asking for trunks to be changed, just like <laughs> you know, jerseys are changed mm. on the football pitch. So I think that it is a is a is a time to to celebrate a, another crop of of boxers who are not getting the opportunities mm. because you see the big paydays, you know, the big stages, and all of that all require a certain stage and a certain uh, razzmatazz around them and something needs to be created around them and I think that this they're, they're moving division right is going to uh, create it yeah. Good. now let's just do this before I let you go uh, so then let's have a look at the Ghanaian angle uh, mm. from where you sit mm. who are the immediate beneficiaries okay before we go to the Ghanaian angle yeah. the latest coming in is that the WBC has ordered the first world title fight in the Bridgerweight division. Oh, wow. And this is going to be between Oscar Rivas, who okay. is the number one contender, mm-hmm. and uh, he's going to go up against the number three contender. Now, um, Brian Jennings is the number three contender. Now, uh, Oscar Rivas is uh, 27-1, uh, with quite a number of uh, good uh, knockouts. He's yep. Colombian. He's based in Canada, has had most of his fights in Canada. Uh, you look at Brian Jennings, and Brian Jennings is the only American in the top five ratings of the Bridgerweight division. And let's remember that because WBC is a pioneering hand in this, uh, it's only WBC ratings for now. The other uh, sanctioning bodies are yet to buy in and also start doing their ratings. Right. So there is a fight that we should expect in June, Good. but that will be staged in Canada, which is uh, obviously, uh, you know, Oscar Rivas's uh, backyard. Right. Uh, let's also uh, note that this is a second installment of the fight because Oscar Rivas has defeated uh, Brand Jennings before okay. and um, it was in a 12th round uh, TKO. So let's see how it goes. I know that it will generate a lot of excitement and many eyes and ears will get towards it. Now to the question yeah, the about Ghanians. the opportunities that Ghanaians can get. So far, we have just about three or four active heavyweights. Right. Just uh, two weekends ago, I announced uh, some fights at the Kahaya Lounge, Mm. um, you know, and one of the bouts on the bill was a WBA Pan-African heavyweight title. Now, Ebenezer Tete won that that bout. Now, um, so Ebenezer Tete uh, beat um, Osman Waruna Mm -hmm. to win win that bout. Um, So he won the title. Now, away from them, then we talk about good old, good old, uh, you know, Latte Harrison, okay. Richard Latte Harrison, who's uh, had a few bouts outside, not, has not exactly been successful. So, um, it's not a very active division mm-hmm. because of the kinds of very low, rather low numbers that we have there. And also, 
um, we're told that there are some gyms that are nurturing some very, very good uh, heavyweights in right. terms of their outlook. In terms of the quality, obviously, we'll need to wait to see them step into the ring for the first time before we can do proper technical judgments. So one of them, for instance, is Coach Oforia Sari, who is the uh, head trainer of the Wisdom Gym. Uh, also, Coach Latikwe uh, Latte, who is not too far away from us. Mm. It's quite a walking distance from our studio here in Kokumlimli at the uh, Fit Square Gym. I hear that they're nurturing a very big heavyweight who could make massive impact. Let's not forget about the likes of John Napari, the likes of uh, Brian Makamoko, who hovered around the light heavyweight division. The only challenge here is that they need to put on weight and move up in weight. And so that becomes a little bit of a challenge for them. Hmm. If they were already naturally 200 pound, they could easily make, easily make the 200 pound weight, then it wouldn't be much of a problem. But if they are below it, then, then that they've got to work on it. So it's been excellent. Yes. Yeah, so excellent so let's see how it goes. Yeah. It's a it's a new it's a new space, and yeah. um, what is important now is that the managers and promoters of these boxers need to attend the conventions of all of these sanctioning bodies. Go to the ratings committee meetings and make cases because some of these boxers have pretty good records, which are impressive, which can get them into the first 15 ratings. And then after that, we can have a conversation. Nathaniel Anto, thank you so much for joining me on the show. And it's always great to you know, get into the boxing corner. Let's see how it all goes. It gives us all opportunities. I saw Muftal smiling. He'll be talking about the Ghana Premier League shortly. Don't know if he's thinking about, you know, getting onto that himself. But of course, there are more discussions to come. Muftal, are you, are you, are you trying? No, uh, actually, um, <laughs> The first time I I saw the uh, the, bridge, the yeah. idea of the bridge with division yeah. that was somewhere uh, October November 2020 yeah. Yeah. I had read about it mm. and the considerations to have it just uh, mm. below the cru- cruiser um, yeah heavyweight slide above the cruiser and then yeah. beneath the the, the cruiser weight so yeah. I was like this is quite an interesting one mm. so if you're not at a cruiser weight um, you are not <laughs> at a heavyweight you are you are you are I, you I are just, in the middle yes, in there. Like and the, and the nice door, yes, name, Bridger. So you're bridging. bridging the gap between the heavyweight <laughs> and, and uh, the cruiserweight. Right. So that's, that's quite an in- interesting right. one. Right. Um, the mm. first battle will give us an idea of what Where this is actually quality going. we are going to have Precisely. In, the, in that division. Precisely. Mufta, I'll come back to you on that one. But of course, we have to head straight and talk a little bit about continental football because we know that uh, we have the final games in the group stage of the CAF Champions League being played at the moment. Two games are ongoing. We'll be bringing in Nuhu Adams shortly to join us to do this quick analysis and then we have the Ghana Premier League to talk about later hands to join us and then we'll talk about the uh, classical and all that's to come live on radio live online this is the locker room with George Addo Jr. So yeah, Nuhu Adams joining me on the line. Nuhu Adams, how are you doing this evening? How are you doing, Nuhu? I'm doing very fine, George. Good, Nuhu, I'm sure you are stuck right in there. I know Simba and Aki and the likes are playing. We'll get into all of that. We've just been talking about the CAF Champions League and the final round of uh, group games, which is very, very important. I want us to quickly touch on, you know, the serious places where everybody's concerned. We know that Zamalek, who are last season's or who were last season's runners-up, are on the brink. They are likely to be knocked out this early of the competition. We know that the rehired Zamalek coach, Patrice Cateron, is hoping to mastermind something. Now, let's talk about Zamalek. Why do they find themselves here? And do you think they can survive? 
Uh, well, George, um, Jamal found themselves in a very tight situation. Um, looking at their points compared to that of MC Oja and Esperance, Esperance had already qualified. So um, they will have to beat Tenguit FC tomorrow before they can make it. But then their result will depend on the outcome of the Esperance MC Oja game. Because MC Oja needs only a, a point just to make sure they, they, they advance to the next round of the CAF Champions League. So it's going to be very, very tight for Jamalik. Yes, even though they will have to win, but they will still have to wait for the results of that game that will go on at the, at the start Ahmed regard stadium in, 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 in Tunis. So you'll see how things are going. But Jamalik didn't start the competition well. Um, looking at the kind of results they got, um, it, was, it was quite disappointing. Losing home and away to Espanol's Costume Tunis failing to beat them with FC in Senegal. That's why they find themselves in this situation. But um, I think the rare appointment of um, Patrice Catron changed things and they were able to get that 2-0 win against MC Oje. But tomorrow, mm. whatever they do in that game against them with FC, it will all depend on what Esperance will do to MC Oje because MC Oje will have to lose that game before the Malikan so too. Right. Uh, we know that Group A is settled. I think it's settled, you know, where Simba of uh, Tanzania, your surprise winners, and defending champions, Agli, of course, guaranteed second place. So that's sorted out. So in Group D, like you're saying, so who, what, what is your prediction for Group D then? Uh, which two do you think are likely to go through Group D? Um, I, I think Esperance, Zamalek will go through because Esperance will, will, will do everything possible to make sure they beat MC Oje for pride and prestige. Yeah, yeah, yeah I get that. Go through. Okay, so let's talk about Group B. Yeah, we know that uh, Bula, uh, what uh, Bull is that? You know, they they are runaway leaders already. Um, you know, they are playing against the runaway leaders, Mamelodi Sundowns of South Africa and Pretoria. And we know that Helal are, are, are actually uh, visiting Lumbashi to confront uh, TP Mazembe for that particular tie there. What do you expect uh, to happen in Group B? And, and, and which two finally go through for you? Yes, um, Group B has been concluded. And it is Mamelodi Sundowns, CR Belzdad going through. Um, Belzdad went to Pretoria today to beat Mamelodi Sundowns. Oh, yeah, the early game, right. Um, a, a 28 home game on beating record. So, whatever result that happened in Lubumbashi was definitely less. Um, Al-Helal needed a win, but they failed to even um, get that win. TP Mazembe, for um, respect and prestige sake, they were able to um, come back from a go down to beat. So, um, in conclusion, Mamelodi Sundowns top toppled the group. Then Tiabels that qualified as the runner. Well, right, right, right. So let's talk about Group C then. Uh, we've got a bit of Ghanaian blood in Horoya, Horoya FC of Guinea. We know there's Kaiser Chiefs as well down in that one. It, it's a it's a slight uh, mathematics there. One plus one, two plus two. Who is going through for you? Well, that group is is quite interesting. Um, we're not athletic club. Um, did everything possible to conclude their qualification very early. So they, they, they are safe now. But the game that will go on in Nongo, that's the start um, General Lasana Kamara Stadium in Guinea, that's Royal AC hosting Kaiser team, is going to determine whoever, whichever team that will go alongside um, with that athletic cup. We all know um, Horea are playing home, they are always formidable when they play at home. But Kaza Chiefs here will need a win at all costs before they can qualify. But Horea is in need only a draw. A draw will see them going through. So that game is going to be very, very tough and it's going to be very, very crunchy. 
it is a game I will never miss. So we'll see how things will go in Longo. But probably looking at Oya, um, their strength being at home, um, the kind of start they are having, and with the, the, the five Ghanaians in the team, how will Oya qualify without a Okay, it's a good point that you make there. Uh, just before I leave you, I was just checking up. We know that Tipe Mazembe yes, be Hilal by two goals to one. That point that you made, actually drew goalers with uh, Simba. Uh, no, at the moment, it's goalers between Akli and Simba. Those two games are ongoing. And uh, Vita Club up against Almerek. But who cares, really? These games don't matter, do they? Yeah, and Ali Simba, you know, both teams have already qualified. They are, they are playing for... for Bragging right sake because um, Simba did everything possible to make sure they beat Ali in the in the, the red picture in Tata. Luis Rote but Pisoni getting that only goal for, for Simba. So Ali would want Okay, no, I was just about wrapping up anyway. So we're looking forward to all the action to come. Yes, in the CAF Champions League. A lot, a lot has been settled. Just a, a few groups to go, Group C and that Group B. Thank you very much uh, to New Adams for joining us and giving us the updates. As always, there's more coming up here on The Locker Room. Thank you very much for joining us. Remember, you can send us your messages on our WhatsApp line, 0551-111-997. Live on radio, live online. This is The Locker Room with George Addo Jr. An opportunity, Kwan Poku with a chance to draw first blood, with a chance to score a goal. Kwan Poku turns around, hits the ball, and it's been saved by Richard Nata over Krohos and Oak. Oh, my what This is the kind of drama we're looking for, and how well this has started. Allow the ball to roll, the came to Fatal Mohammed, it's back to Michel Sapon. Outside the penalty box of Kumasi Asante, gonna go. Beautiful dribble, he still stays outside, he hit the bounce, back again to Fatal Mohammed. Long ball into the penalty box, the lovely touch man comes down, referee goes for it. Isaac Mensah lining up for this. Will this be the telling blow for Kumasi Asante on the call? Razak Abalora dancing on his line. While the sunshine slightly going into the shade under the clouds. Could this be the time for the rainbow to appear? Isaac Mensah hits the ball right. Saved by Razak Abalora. And this is truly the game of games. All right, time to talk about the Ghana Premier League. What have we got? Match day 19. So uh, we've already had a game. Jindo Murushita was uh, it was on for we started off. That's another one. I thought I saw a video of him, you know, enjoying Fufu in Ghana. What is the what? What is his crime? <laughs> uh, Muftal Navel Abdullah, my colleague, joins me in the studio to have a good chat on the Ghana Premier League. Muftal, how are you doing? I'm doing well, great, um, uh, uh, George. Um, <laughs> there, there's no crime if you eat Fufu in Ghana, please, and in Cape Coast as well. Um, I don't know whether if fufu is uh, um, a delicacy for people domiciled only in the Ashanti region. I'm surprised. So wherever you find yourself, you can still enjoy your fufu without any problems. I enjoy actually. I enjoyed fufu in Tamale. That's a, that's the truth. Good, some very good fufu in Tamale. So fufu has gone, uh, you know, truly global. It, it has, it has ah. become um, people to a big enjoy. delicacy across the country. So wherever you find yourself, you can still enjoy your fufu. Muftar, you know what? It's uh, March Day 19. We'll tell you about the results. Uh, yeah. The game that was played today. Uh, 
look, we got some top liners. Like, how has to work with Ashanti Gold, an interesting one. And then yeah. Brickham Chelsea, Kumasi Asante Kodoko. These days, when Brazilians are scoring and there's freedom at the Linkley Stadium. <laughs> so, <laughs> but, but, but Mufta, let's talk about the big stories that we've had this week. And, uh, and I love this part because we try to go behind uh, the curtains to find out what's happening there. Now, uh, there's a big change of the helm of the referee's appointment committee. You have to give me a background to uh, why the shake-up has seen Christian Zigat take over now. The interesting thing is that if you take a look at the FIFA refereeing structure, it always requires that you have someone they call a former FIFA official. Okay. And if you need a former of FIFA official, someone who has officiated at the highest level, then you definitely will be going for a retired FIFA referee. So the GFA took their decision to go for Christian Ziga to replace um, uh, Salifu, Shai with Salifu, yeah, Zida, Zida. Um, who had shared it from last year. The, the bigger concern was about the, the way the changes came in. Because if you look at the leadership of the Ghana Football Association, mm. even if you look at how the FIFA refereeing structure is, they require that you, become, you are an ex-official Mm. of a member association to head the referee instructor so that when there are issues of interest for the referees, you represent the referees in that conversation. So, well, it is the right thing for the GFA Executive Council to do is to make sure that they go by the FIFA referee instructor. But the bigger question is, is Christine Ziga an ex-official of the Ghana Football Association or is she that person, an executive committee member, mm. and she's none of these, but she is qualified based in one in one area. She is a FIFA retired referee, and that means that they are still by the rules of the FIFA referee structure, and the executive council have the prerogative of determining whoever they wants to be, but they must go by what the FIFA regulations say. All right, it will stick and stay the same. Let's go to Accra Hartsville because the new boy, Samuel, I mean, the new boss, Samuel Buedu, uh, will love to concentrate on his new job, but his former employers uh, have begun dragging him almost. You know, so Muftar, tell me, why are Midyama SE pressing what they will call unresolved separation or, or divorce? And will this get anywhere? First of all, Midyama says it is illegal, mm. they say it is arbitrary. They say it is capricious. Yeah, that is uh, Patrick Akuto. <laughs> Akuto, uh, communication director. Good evening to you wherever you are, Akuto. Hard guy. <laughs> the, the, the interesting thing in this Samuel Bedu and Midyama conversation is that the surprising thing also is that Samuel Bedu's decision to resign from Midyama is one thing the club is struggling to understand and accept. Yeah. Because they feel that just somewhere December 2020, this was a club that decided to review the salaries of its employees, increase his salary from 3,000 Ghana cities to 10,000 Ghana cities. This was an improved contract for the coach. So for him to have decided to resign on that note is one thing they, don't, they, they cannot appreciate. Mm. But there's a background to this resignation. Hey, tell me. It started somewhere last year. When a meeting happened, um, was it at a campaign school or Movenpick, mm. where the board of Mediama had a meeting? After that meeting, um, people close to the board had hinted the man, Samuel Bodu, that there was a tendency that he could be fired 
as the coach of Mediama Essi wow. based on how the club started. Hmm. And this was a man who had already also shown interest in exiting because when his contract was about expiring, he actually wanted to become the assistant coach of Accra Hasif. Oh, oh wow. That's, that's was, long before. That's long mm-hmm. before. He mm-hmm. wanted to be the assistant of New Odum. Okay. However, New Odum did not continue. Yeah. Media decided to extend his contract. He stayed on. But when it got to a point that rumors began es- escalating that he could be fired, he decided to jump earlier. Mm. And sources close to even the coach have indicated that Mitiama wanted to fire him. Yeah. So he took the decision to jump out. Now the point is, who went for who? Was it Accra has of who went for him or he availed himself? Our sources within Accra House of Oak have told us that this was a man who had earlier even submitted his CV to the club. Oh, I see. For the role of an assistant coach. Right. So if the job was vacant, it became normal for the two of them to come together. Yeah, but Midiama's problem will be how he left the club. Did he leave the club unceremoniously? He he left the club unceremoniously. But the point is, if, if I have a hint that I'm likely to be fired, yeah, it's going to affect my CV. Right. So what do I do? Then mm-hmm. I jump out early. Yeah. But there's one area that all of us are missing. Yeah. And that area has to do with why he resigned. Mm. Because there are indications that he even signed a pre-contract with House of Oak before he resigned. Okay, wait. So so move start. Let, let's look at it. Uh, did, did he did he tender in a resignation letter or he just left them? He said he tendered in a resignation letter. At the right that was, time? That was Oh, he no, needed to give the club it, time. It, as to whether it is the right time or not the right time, that is where the questions are. Ah. Because if you read Mediamere's letter that has been sent to the Ghana FA, they said that it is an abuse okay. of the employee's role to the club because what they're trying to say is that any employee can get up one day and walk out of the job yeah. when the person is contracted yeah. to a party. So you have to give... Uh, so, some time, like so one at month. Least, uh, at least he should month. have given them maybe a notice a of notice, resignation. Yeah. Maybe within a month, I want to walk away so that cl- <laughs> the club can plan to replace him okay. and all that. Mm. But in November last year, there was actually a conversation between uh, Samuel Buedu and an official of Accra House of Oak. Mm-hmm. After House of Oak had drawn against Ash Gold, yeah. they had told him that this is why we want you to come. Okay, because and going to there was here. a positive comment from the coach who said, "Who told them that I will come? I will come." <laughs> so this was a marriage made long before, before the resignation happened. Right. But the bigger thing is, he feels he was disrespected. Yeah. There was a point they wanted Ibrahim Tanko per sources to become yeah. the technical director of the club. Yeah. Of which he agreed. Mm. However, as to why they didn't pick up Ibrahim Tanko and want for a different person for the technical data role, I'm not sure. He felt that at that point he was not okay because in Ghana, when you're going to hire a technical data, there's a tendency that technical data is coming to replace you. So I get it that Media Mercy are going to be arguing purely on uh, on a law basis and are, say that yes, you have, have to give arguing, us notice. Yes, because reading through, they've been able to cite certain cases that have happened at FIFA, cases that have happened no. at Cars, well, and those cases at the end went in favor of the employer. So clearly mm, but, but this will be the tougher question for you then. Can they would they get anywhere with it? Would they get anywhere with it? I, I think it is the player status committee that will determine whether mm. this the case has got merits or not. Good. But if you read through what Mediama has presented, it's quite interesting. 
But mm. the other thing too is, if you accepted the resignation of the person, uh, what else? What what else is the issue? Because you actually even went to your social media and handles you, and, 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 and wish the man well. Yes, you wish. So him if well. you wished him well and said you were not going to comment again, then you make a three sixty. They're just realizing. They're realizing how painful it is. Relapse. They said they had tried engaging him to let him understand the gravity of what he <laughs> had done, done. <laughs> but there wasn't any positive outcome. Hmm. That's why they won the player status committee of the Ghana Football Association to take to action. Right. There's also a funny feeling that Samuel Boedu engineered the decision of assistant coach Hamza hmm. to also leave to the, leave the club. club. Okay. Because he left eight days later, he joined Accra Hasebo. <laughs> Boydu left seven days later. He joined Accra. Who else has left so the club? It's, it's, <laughs> <laughs> so it, it's quite interesting. Yeah, I, I, it will be fun to hear them uh. or hear what will transpire at the players justice committee. But I do feel that Mediama have got a very strong case. Where to run. And, okay. and it will be very interesting to okay. hear what will happen. L- let's do this. Let me just talk about the games that are coming up. Uh, remember, there will be Swandorfs and 11 Wonders to 1-1 uh, this afternoon. First game, yes. March 19. Liberty Professionals are up against Elmina Sharks tomorrow. Yeah. Ashanti Gold are playing against Hearts of Oak, uh, you know, at the Lenclay Stadium. Yes. Um, you could hear in the background, Do Adams is, is on his way, you know, to Obuasi to ensure everything is fine. <laughs> on his way, he's seeing things. <laughs> uh, we've got a Chelsea. That game is on Sunday. Legon City is up against Great Olympics. We'll talk about Olympics in a bit. Inter Allies up against Karela United. Oh, Inter Allies. It shall be well. Mediama SC. <laughs> Mediama SC up is against Dreams SC. Have we moved from 11 is to 1 or Capelli Boys? Please, we are still 11 is to 1. Adriana Stars has came 5. So, uh, there's Wafa versus Bichem United. Let's let's just end the Ghana Premier League bit. Move to on, on, on Great Olympics. Yeah. Uh, most people have been talking about what they did in the 70s, the 74. Can they, can they get back to it? I know Walker, the head coach, has been running away from it. But but is there is there no, I, I should say that it feels like there's an inkling somewhere that this could be a special year for uh, Great Olympics. What are they doing in the background? You've been close to the team. I've had the, the privilege of speaking to people close to the team. I've had the privilege of watching the team's training sessions. And I think that there's a bigger bond than we all thought. Mm. Because gone are the years you would see or hear supporters of a great Olympics attack players, accuse players, make all sort of disparaging comments about the team. But there seemed to be some silence since Onowaka took over. He's been able to engineer some positivity surrounding the club. A few days ago, when I was at the training ground, I saw the likes of His Excellency Amakaya Matefio. Mm. I saw the likes of Oluboy Commodore. I saw the likes of Fred Papu. All these people came around to watch the team train. And after the training session, if you were there to witness the conversations they were having with the players, you realize that there's some kind of um, mutual relationship between mm. the players and, and, and the players. I had the privilege of speaking to some of these players, especially Glasson Awako, who told me that despite the challenges due to COVID-19, the club has ensured that great Olympics have not missed out on their bonuses or their salaries. Okay. And that's another motivational factor for the for this team. Let's not forget, somewhere March last year, they put up together a new board. Yeah. And that new board has been so committed to ensuring that great Olympics become a club of success. You go to training sessions and trust me, 
and I don't know if this is the right time to say this. Mm. If government even goes to the training sessions, they realize that even the number of people who go to watch just Great Olympics train will be more than the number of people who have who at, the watch at the stadium. Wow, wow, wow. That's yeah. one, one, one area. So it shows that there's some positivity within the team. Yeah. The People are willing to invest. They are willing to make the players happy. Yeah. And when this happens, and the coach is right and in charge of what should, should, should transpire within the playing body, and who comes in and who goes out, then you're always going to get the results you are seeking for. That's the point that you're making. But thank you very much. You'll be over all the games and bring us the backroom stories as they go. So much to look forward to. Let's see what's happening in that Ashanti, as, uh, 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 Ashanti Gold Accra Hasbro game. Huh? We'll see what the happens fe- in the, the, the first one in Accra ended 2-2. It was the beginning of I the remember. conversation between the Samuel Boedou and official of yes, 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 yes. So thank you to you, uh, Muftal, for joining me on the show. As always, it's great stuff there. Muftal, uh, with everything that we need to know in the Ghana Premier League, we'll be hearing from the boys as we go. The last man to hear from is Hans Mensah-Ando. He'll be joining us shortly. But you're still here on Joy 99.7 FM. We need to switch now. Live on radio, live online, this is The Locker Room with George Addo Jr. Two past the hour seven. It's a good time now to check out what's happening in Europe. Okay, so when we come back from the Joy Sports BBC Two Way Series, we'll talk about the El Clasico, which is upcoming. Now, though, I had a great chat with the BBC's Maz Faruqi. Maz Faruqi is on. Miss your friend Maz Faruqi is on. Let's enjoy uh, the wonderful chat I had with her. We're back with more. Thanks, Mas, for your time on the show as always. And shall we begin then with the Champions League action in midweek? And what a question for you. Could this be PSG's year to finally win the Champions League? The French champions dumped Barcelona out in the last round. And this week, they had another impressive performance when an outstanding killer in Mbappe led them to victory away at Bayern Munich in the first leg of the quarterfinal tie. They looked to turn a corner mentally, didn't they, PSG on Wednesday? Against a Bayern Munich side who, remember, beat them in the final of last season's competition back in August. I think what was most impressive for PSG was the way they managed to find a way to win despite losing one of the most influential players just 30 minutes into the first leg. Marquinhos having to be substituted with injury after putting PSG 2-0 up. Bayern then pegging them back in the second half before a brilliant second goal on the night. Kylian Mbappe gave PSG the 3-2 win in the first leg. Make no mistake, this tie is far from over, but with all their inconsistencies in the French league this season, PSG managed to find their best when it means the most to them in Europe. I should mention Neymar as well, because some of his support play was brilliant, but it set things up very, very nicely for the second leg next week. This is certainly a match I cannot wait for. Mas, let's talk about the Europa League action too. We saw Manchester United do the needful with a 2-0 win over Granada away. However, Arsenal were in trouble recording a draw at the Emirates against Slavia Prague. And this has had a lot of fans fuming again. Who is at fault here, Ateta or his players? 
It's been such a season of frustration for Arsenal fans, hasn't it? Far from party time. They go on a good run, then they stutter a bit. Thursday night's performance in the first leg of their quarterfinal tie in the Europa League pretty much summed up Arsenal's inconsistencies this season. The negatives allowing Slavia Prague to score an injury time equaliser when with all the chances and the positive play they had, they should have been out of sight and a couple of goals to the good by that point. But I asked a couple of Arsenal fans I know what they thought of that game. I messaged them at full time and they didn't blame Arteta at all. They said it was the players on the field who were at fault because they couldn't finish their chances. Against rock bottom Sheffield United in the Premier League this weekend though, there is no question that they need to win in response. Arsenal and Arteta, I think, will hope to be able to get to the end of the season, hope that they can build with their best players like Thomas Partey, like Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, keep hold of them in the European transfer window and then rebuild for the next campaign. Mazda Premier League standoff fixture this week has to be Tottenham versus Manchester United. Both sides will be hoping to get their chances of qualifying in the top four a big boost. How do you see this going? Yeah, it's a very tough one to call, I think, because both sides have been inconsistent at times this season. I think that's in part down to, of course, a highly unusual season all round. Jose Mourinho was openly incredibly critical of his Tottenham players after they allowed Newcastle to take a point of them late on Sunday in their last match in the Premier League. He criticised the individual defensive errors his players made in particular. This is a tactic we've seen from Mourinho before, but will his team respond positively to that? They have the game to beat United. We saw that back in October when they thrashed United here in Manchester 6-1 at the start of the season, but they look a long way from that side at the moment. Sonny Hummen seems to be struggling for fitness since returning from injury in particular. And United, as we know, have been very good away from home after the last season or so. No defeat for them in the league as well since the end of January. And a balance, I think, that they will maybe have too much for Spurs and their former manager in Mourinho on Sunday. Let's talk about the crazy top four battle with close to six teams in contention for the last two slots, I think. Mars, it looks like the Manchester sides are setting to finish in the top two. How complicated has the top four race become, especially after last week's results? It's so incredibly tight, isn't it, up there, George? I thought that loss for Chelsea on Saturday had opened the door, for instance, for Tottenham. But they failed to capitalise properly, as we talked about. I think, realistically, two of the places are wrapped up, aren't they, by the two Manchester Cubs, so City and United in first and second. You've now got Leicester, West Ham, Chelsea, Tottenham, Liverpool, and perhaps with an outside chance because of their game in hand, still Everton as well, all fighting for those two remaining European Champions League qualification spots. The match this weekend between Leicester and West Ham will be a particularly interesting one, I hope, to see how mentally those two teams are faring heading into the last run of the season because we saw Leicester fade badly towards the end of last season and end up finishing outside of the top four. And remember, this is uncharted territory really for West Ham. They've never really been in this position. Chelsea will want a strong response after that first defeat under Thomas Tuchel. I think if they can get that against Crystal Palace and pick up all three points, they're right back in contention to finish in the top four. But I won't want to call it at this stage, George. It's just too tight to call it behind those two Manchester clubs for who the other two sides will be that will finish in that top four. Maz, how keen then is a relegation battle? We have had enough twists all season. With about seven games to go, there are countless permutations that will make it difficult to draw out the vanquished three. What are we likely to learn this weekend? 
Well, I think the big match to keep an eye on at the bottom end of the table, George, is that one between Burnley and Newcastle on Sunday. Newcastle showing a lot of fight last weekend to get a 2-2 draw against Tottenham, as we mentioned. That should give them some confidence and some momentum, perhaps. Remember, they were three points ahead of Fulham and the bottom three ahead of this match day. And importantly, they have played a game less. But Burnley as well will be targeting a win to pretty much ensure their Premier League status this season. I think both sides won't be happy with a point. Maybe that'll give us some exciting, entertaining attack in football. We'll see. West Brom, despite that incredible and likely win at Chelsea last weekend, I'm sure you enjoyed watching that one at particular, George. Well, they still have a lot to do to get out of trouble, but a win against the Southampton team, who might have half a mind already maybe on their FA Cup semi-final next weekend. Well, maybe that could give them some hope that they could make a late push to get out of trouble, to get out of the bottom three. But I think nothing less than a win for them on Monday will do, though, if they're going to try and go on a late run like that. Finally, Maz, can we talk about the other standout fixtures for you this weekend, aside what we've got with the top six? Uh, let's talk about the other teams in action. Well, another match on Sunday between third place Leicester City and fourth place West Ham also looks like a very important one in terms of where those European Champions League qualification spots might end up at the end of the season. I think both sides will be really keen for all three points to try and really open up a gap between themselves and the teams below them and remember both are playing really good football at the moment so hopefully that could be a really entertaining one Chelsea remember lost for the first time under Thomas Tuchel last weekend they were surprisingly beaten by relegation threatened West Brom at Stamford Bridge but they remain just a point outside the top four so I'm interested to see how they respond at Crystal Palace on Saturday And back-to-back wins has forced the champions Liverpool back into contention as well. But they need to find some consistency at Anfield, though. Something Jurgen Klopp, I'm sure, will be very keen to see against Aston Villa. And a word on the big match to look out for in Spain on Saturday. El Clasico between Real Madrid and Barcelona could be very significant in the title race this season. They both trail Atletico Madrid at the top of the table. In January, though, Atletico were 10 points clear at the top of La Liga. But a win or a draw for Barcelona could see them move above Diego Simeone's side into top spot, which could be a significant moment in that Spanish league title race, certainly. Thank you very much, Mars, for your time on the show. And it's time to introduce Hans, but let's quickly do this. In terms of the games to look forward to, we'll be adding your classical to that so that we get into it. Joyce Possible this year, what has been putting this together? will be on the biggest Clasico in years with La Liga title race on the ninth edge on Saturday. The stakes are high this Saturday night at the Estadio Alfredo Di Stefano. Barcelona are second in the league while Real are behind them in third. But with Atletico Madrid struggling now Luis Suarez out injured, both clubs surely see the opening. And on Sunday, league leaders Atletico Madrid travel to Real Betis hoping to maintain the top spot no matter the outcome in El Clasico. In Italian Serie A, Inter Milan almost looks set to be called Scudetto champions as they are 11 point clear of second place AC Milan. Antonio Conte's side this weekend will host Cagliari. Milan will be away to Parma and champions Juventus who are just a point behind Milan host Genoa. To the Bundesliga next and Bayern Munich will hope to bounce back from their midweek Champions League defeat when they host Union Berlin. The Bavarians sit top with 67 points, 7 points above RB Leipzig who travel to Werder Bremen. 
Borussia Dortmund will have selection crisis as they play Stuttgart with an eye on their Champions League second leg with Man City on Wednesday. And in the Premier League, Jose Mourinho will welcome his former employers, Manchester United, to Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, which will be our live commentary game on Sports Arena on Sunday. Chelsea on Saturday will travel to Crystal Palace, West Ham will host Leicester, and Man City take on Leeds. comes around. Yes, the uh, classical joining me in studio, Hans Mensa. Ando, Hans, how are you doing this evening? Good, George. Yes. I'm uh, gearing up for the big one. The big one. In yes. the Spanish league. It's the big one. Yeah. I don't know where we should start from. Perhaps look at what Real Madrid have started to do in the last uh, few days. <laughs> I mean, is it is it this old uh, Zidane magic coming back or, or they are putting something actually together? That's why it's going to show. I, I, I've, realized, I, I've realized about Zinedine Zidane, you know, throughout his managerial career is that he tends to finish quite strongly and that yeah. is why you know the moment he begins to get into the quarterfinal semi-final of the Champions League we begin to talk about Real Madrid becoming champions you know mm. the talk has already started that yeah. Real Madrid could actually go on and win the season yes they can Champions League and their form currently suggests that you know they are doing something right no defeat in the last three games in fact no defeat in the last six games they've drawn <laughs> two of those six matches yes. Barca have a better record with the same number of games because they've won all six games mm-hmm. in the La Liga, mm-hmm. you know. But um, you have to look at Real Madrid's form at the moment. I mean, that three-one victory over Liverpool is something that shouldn't surprise us, you know, too much. Yeah. Because it's it's, it's it's Real Madrid. But then again, you you expected maybe you expected Liverpool to put up more of a fight. Mm. We, we didn't expect Liverpool to lose by that margin. Yeah. I thought it would have been much closer than three goals three to goals one. one yeah. But that is just Real Madrid hitting a very, very good form. You couple that with Barca's form, like I mentioned, six matches in the La Liga. In, in, in the last six matches, there's been no defeat and we are looking at an El Clasico that could be deciding the La Liga title at the end of the season. It's amazing. And we still stick with Real Madrid. I'm sure for the Real Madrid fans, you can hear your anthem in the background. And it's a special El Clasico uh, going going into this. With the yep. kind of situation we have uh, on, on, on the La Liga table, uh, Atletico Madrid have allowed Barcelona and Real Madrid to come and stand around the window and now begin to feel like they can win it. But for these two sides, you know, this is a special one. The three points means much more hands, right? 66 for Atletico Madrid, 65 Barca. Real Madrid further two points behind Barcelona. If they win, they are going a point ahead, hmm. you know, of Barcelona. In the event that Atletico Madrid loses, they are tied on point with them. Yeah. It's very, very tight, you know, within the top three teams, Atletico Madrid, Barca and Real Madrid. And like I mentioned, we can look back at the end of the season and think this El Clasico 
decided where the La Liga title hmm. has ended. Um, again, you are looking at two teams that do not seem to be relying on the brilliance of an individual, even more so for Barcelona. Hmm. These days, it's not really about Lionel Messi as an individual anymore. I watched their last game where you know they got a goal at the death and you do realize that it was more about a collective than one player because yeah. I mean we're all looking at Messi to pull off the magic mm. it came through you know Dembele yeah. and so it, it does tell you that between Real Madrid and it's the same situation Real Madrid as well yeah. there is no one standout player that they are relying on in previous years it was going to be a straight battle between Ronaldo and Messi Messi yeah it is not the same anymore the, the two teams are drawing on the collective rather than on an individual yeah. and so you, 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 you bring all of that to play coupled with the fact that we are looking at a game where there's going to be no fans yes. strangely El <laughs> strangely, like this wow. it's about 11 men and those on the bench and yeah. their coaches and what tactics they bring to bear yeah. what changes they make how they alter the shape of the team in game and all of that that ultimately decides it you don't have the benefit of that 12 man that yeah. we talk about. I, I don't know but have we been do we blow you know blow blow over blow their problems you know um, Barcelona and Real Madrid because it's, they are big clubs it's because, because of the standards they've set well, over the yeah. years I mean when when you are the 13 time champion of Europe hmm. <laughs> the expectation is, 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 is high up there you know when you've been that dominant in the Champions League yeah. over a period the expectation is, is, well, we're, is we are blowing they are, we are blowing their problems out of proportion that's I what it feels like we are I mean well, it's just, it's just, it's just what you expect exactly I mean when when you are clubs like Real Madrid Barcelona you know um, these days PSG Bayern Munich Manchester United Chelsea Liverpool when you're a top club in Europe look the standards must not drop mm. you understand me mm. I mean um, if you look at PSG even for PSG who have not really achieved so much the status you know, in terms of there's some kind of standard now because of the sort of players who are playing there so I mean you, you can't drop the standards for Real Madrid and Barcelona yeah, clearly. You set a certain standard and that is what we measure I, I've got some back. two minutes to go with you uh, let, let's, so, so what do you make of the, the job that uh, Ronald Kuma has done so far at Barcelona he's been steady yeah. it's, it's been really steady he struggled in the beginning um, there were elements of not getting it right with man management. He seems to be learning gradually. Mm. And I also think that he seems to put his trust in players who hitherto wouldn't have had a look in um, yeah. as far as at Barcelona. Barcelona yeah. you know, because these days, they're going to get stuff and you're looking at Brethwaite coming yeah. on for Barcelona. Mm. You don't expect that to happen. You don't expect him to be the game changer. Yeah. But he put a lot of faith in him. Um, He's on the right track. He's on the right track. He's you keep right 